I first of all must say, wow, just to be standing and hearing voices singing is just, it has been such a long time. And it's just lovely to hear all of our voices and uh, collectively worshiping God. And, and uh, just again, welcome to those that are, that are visiting us this morning. Um, we're working through a, a book as, as a series called Gentle and Lowly. And if you want to turn to Hebrews chapter 4, if you've got your Bible or your app, or it'll be up on the screen as well. But, you know, there are moments when a question stirs deep within our hearts. And that is, is there anyone who truly knows and feels what I'm going through? When we're struggling fitting in at school or feeling bullied or or feeling loneliness or living with long-term chronic pain or illness, the struggle to resist an addiction or temptation, wrestling with deep depression or, or night terrors, the pressures of raising children as a single parent, being a long-term carer, the isolation of living on your own, especially after the loss of a loved one. And even if you share the depth of what's going on through with your friends or even your closest confidants, it just seems at best they can only offer support and prayer, and no one seems to truly understand at times. We tend to feel intuitively that the more difficult things get, the more alone we are. Well, our next chapter in the Gentle and Lowly book addresses the question of who truly knows what I'm going through right now. And the point it makes today is this, that Jesus most sympathizes with us in our deepest moment of weakness. Not the false symphony, not try it again, not the false sympathy or the empty pity where we go, I don't want your, your sympathy when somebody's just trying to say it'll be all right. Or not a, a pep talk from heaven where, where we hear God kind of saying, try harder. You know, that's not God's heart. Dane Ortland, the author of Gentle and Lowly, he, he kind of introduces our passage this morning by saying that this passage is like a friend that would take our two hands and put it on the chest of the risen Jesus Christ. Like a stethoscope, you know, hearing the, the beating heart of that person. And we'd be feeling the vigorous strength of Christ's deepest affection and longings. In our deepest troubles, we need the deepest affection from someone who's been there and knows what we're going through. And that's what the truth of what our passage is telling us today. So let's read Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. And you're going to see these three passages have linking words that tie all three of them together. So this is a complete thought, reading it all together. Verse 14 says, Since we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one in every respect who's been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace in the, to help in time of need. What an awesome expression of Christ's heart. First of all, it says, we have a great high priest who's passed through the heavens. Now, when we look in the New Testament, we're very familiar with stories of Jesus' compassion and love and and showing mercy when people wanted judgment when he was walking on the earth. But but now he's in in heaven. And 
And the risen Lord, though, alive and well in heaven today, is still as approachable and compassionate even when, than when he was walking on the earth. You see, our relationship with, with Jesus is not just, I'm saved and I'm serving a God in heaven. Jesus is now gone up into heaven at the cross, yet he is not distant or aloof from our pain. And verse 14 says, since we have this great high priest, let us hold fast our confession. It starts by saying, let us hold on to, let's remind ourselves who Jesus is and what he has done. But this is more than just believing, more than just having faith. And it'll get better. You know, the idea is saying, just, just believe more. If it's so difficult, saying, I just need some more faith to believe. That this, the next verse anchors the truth of what this passage is about. Since we have this high priest, let us hold fast our confession. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. The word sympathize here is a compound word that means to suffer with, to co-suffer, not, not a detached, empty pity, cool kind of detached pity. This is really significant because our natural instinct is that Jesus is with us. He's on our side. He's present and helping when things are going well. <laughs> but when things start going bad or things go, being challenged, we start to think, that we're feeling distant and separated from God. Sorry, God, I'm struggling. You must be upset with me. You know, where are you, God? And he's saying, I'm right here. The text this morning says the opposite. It is with our weaknesses that Jesus sympathizes with us. So we can ask the question, well, why can he sympathize? Is because he's God? Because he's, he knows all and sees all and he's right there with us? It's more than that. Because it says there, so we ask the question, why is Jesus so close with his people in their pain? It says, because in every respect, he has been tempted as we are. And if we look back just a couple of chapters in Hebrews 2, you can see it up on the screen here. Verse 17 and 18 goes on to say, therefore he, which is Jesus, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. And then verse 18. For he himself has suffered when tempted. For, for, um, for because he himself has suffered when tempted. He is able to help those who have been tempted. That same word tempted is the same word in our passage in, in Hebrews 4. That word tempted. That, that to be tried. To be tempted. To be tested. And it's those things in our lives where we're feeling. Be, trying. Testing. Tempting. It's the same word that when Jesus was, was um, led into the wilderness to be tempted. And in the chapter, it uses the words that Jesus is in close solidarity with us. And that solidarity means a, a close unity. It, it means a, a unity in communion. Someone who's with us in feeling, action, and experience. It's like all of the body of our body parts are in solidarity with each other. When I'm banging my head on, on the frame of a, of, of a door, which I do quite often, or, or when I stub my toe, or when I'm feeling down, my head and my body feel that together, just as Jesus does that with us. And the reason that Jesus is in such close solidarity with us 
is the difficult path that you and I are on is not unique. That he himself journeyed that himself. The passage challenges our thinking that we are alone in our trials and troubles. In our pain, Jesus is pained. When we face temptation, Jesus is there having resisted it himself. In our suffering, Jesus feels the suffering as his own. In our deepest loneliness, Jesus has felt that feeling forsaken by his father on the cross where he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's getting our our head and our heart around the idea that Jesus is drawn with the greatest feeling to our distress. Think about that. In every aspect, he has been tempted or tried as we are. You might think, but not what I'm going through. In every aspect. Not this pain. In every aspect. Life is so hard. In every aspect. There's a great quote from the book that says. That it's not only that Jesus can relieve us from our troubles. Like a doctor prescribing medicine. Like book knowledge. Like a doctor has. It is that. It is also that. Before any relief comes, he is also with us in our troubles, like a doctor who's endured the same disease. He knows what it is to be thirsty, to be hungry, to be despised, to be rejected, to be scorned. He knows what it is to be shamed, embarrassed, abandoned, misunderstood, falsely accused, to be suffocated, to be tortured and to be killed. He knows what it is to be lonely. So what does that mean for you and I? When the fallness of the world closes in on us and makes us want to throw in the towel, right there, there is where he is. We have a friend who knows exactly what such testing feels like and sits close to us, embracing us and with us. That's what solidarity is. But then he says, One who is in every respect been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So you could say, well, what about our sin? Is Should we feel discouraged that Jesus can't be in solidarity with us in the pain and the guilt and the shame of sin? There's a significance of holding these two things together. That in every respect he was tempted as we are, and yet without sin. And if we hold those things together, otherwise we can first say, uh, we can first claim that Jesus had the God advantage. Well, he's God. He's perfect. You know, he can, he, he, he's not like us, but we read in Hebrews too that he's, he was every much like us as a man so that he can be merciful to us in helping us. But equally we could say, well, he didn't, wasn't tempted in the things or go through the things that I'm going through right now. We have to let the word of God preach. That in every respect, just like you and I, he was tempted and yet without sin. A question you might ask, I was thinking about this is, well, how can Jesus then be sympathetic to us with temptation if he's sinless? Well, first of all, Jesus' sinlessness means that he knows temptation better than we ourselves. When I was growing up in Canada, we had a, my, my hometown was Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada. Hi, mom. 
And, and so there's, in the midst of that, the, we were known as the windiest city in Alberta. And there was something called the windiest corner just around the shopping mall there. And as you came around that corner, the wind just hit you. And so you actually had to walk like this as you're walking, walking to, to the mall. And, and C.S. Lewis um, made this point by speaking of a man walking against the wind. Once the wind of temptation was strong enough, the man lies down giving up. Thus, he's not knowing what would have been like 10 minutes later. But the thing is that Jesus never laid down. He endured all our temptations and testings without ever giving up. He therefore has the strength of temptation. He knows the strength of temptation better than any of us. Only he truly knows the cost of, of resisting temptation. When we think no one knows the battle I'm going through, Jesus does even better than we ourselves do. That's just an amazing thing to think about, isn't it? Secondly, our one true hope is that the one person, that that one person, Jesus shared in all our pain, he is one who is pure and holy. Our sinless high priest is not one who needs rescued, but can provide it. You see, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I share problems with my peers or friends, that it just sort of seems like we all end up together in the same problems, don't we? You know, you think like, sorry, I, I can't help you. I'm struggling with it as well. Or someone says, you think you've got a problem. Let me add to that. And then they're just, they're, they're taking no sympathy to you, but actually telling all of their situation. And even if we're people that, that love to help people with hearing their hearts, Many times the challenge is, is that we end up just having people dump on us. I love in Nehemiah, there was the different gates, the dung gate, the sheep gate, the, the, all that sort of stuff. And many times in these situations, when people come to us or we help each other with our problems, it's almost like people just dump on us and we don't have a solution, but we become almost like a dung gate where what he, this is talking about is, make, is us being a sheep gate and saying, I don't know what to do about this, but let's go to Jesus together. And, and get our help that way. That enticing temptation, that sore trial, that bewildering perplexity, he has been there. He's been there, he's done that, he bought the robe. Indeed, his utter purity suggests that he has felt these pain more ac- acutely than we sinners ever could. Not only that, not only has he been there, but we also, because we're joined in him, because we're in Christ, we are the body and Christ is the head as the, as the illustration goes. In Jesus, he suffers with us as the body and the head suffer together in a pain or a situation. So the truth that we hear about this morning, about Jesus sympathizing with us, in the, it, it actually helps us with the first verse of let us hold fast our confession. We must hold fast to the truth that Jesus, you have experienced what I'm experiencing right now. And you are here with me sharing in my suffering. Not that I'm feeling alone. Not that nobody really knows what I'm experiencing. Not that I'm just have nowhere to turn. That Jesus is not only able to sympathize, but he is able to help us in that. So what is our response to all this this morning? What we heard about Jesus sympathizing with us in verse 15 actually gives us a possible, the response 
at verse 16. It says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. It says, come with confidence, not God, you must think I'm, I'm really bad or, or you must be fed up with me or I feel such a failure. This is where spiritual warfare comes in. He goes, knowing who Jesus is, we can come with confidence to the throne of grace. That language, throne of grace, that just simply means that we have confidence to come to Jesus, to talk to him and to ask for help. To stand on the promises of what we've heard today. Jesus is inviting us into his heart in our deepest, most challenging moments. He offers us help in time of need. And if you're not yet a Christian this morning, or if you said, you know, I'm I'm on a journey of understanding who Jesus is, and I'm not sure I've yet made that decision to follow him, that you can experience that beating heart by simply asking him, I just come near to you. I'm in need of your help. And that's where we can get to find mercy and find grace by simply saying, Jesus, I need you in my life. You, you know me more than anybody else. I can't find it in my relationships. I can't find it in anything that I'm doing. Nothing seems to satisfy. Nothing seems to be able to relate to where I'm at, but you do. We'd love to chat with you about that or or, or introduce you to who Jesus is. We can go to him to receive mercy and find grace. He himself is not trapped in the hole of sin. He alone can pull us out. His sinlessness is our salvation. Can I get an amen? There you go. Good. This is good stuff. Not only can can he alone pull us out of the hole. Let me grab you a hand from heaven. But actually, he alone desires to jump in to that hole with us as well and bear our burdens. This morning, Jesus is able to sympathize, not a little pat from heaven, but to suffer with us, to co-suffer with us. John Owen put it this way, that Jesus is inclined from his own heart and affections to give us help and relief. And he is inwardly moved during our suffering and trials with a sense of fellow feeling of them. So today, what does this passage teach us about Jesus' heart for us? If you are in Christ, you have a friend who in your darkest sorrow will not lob down a pep talk from heaven. He, can, he cannot bear to hold himself at a distance. Nothing can hold him back. His heart is too bound up with ours. And lastly, another part of our response is understanding that this is done by the power of the Holy Spirit. That if you want to experience more of Jesus in our hearts, more of that presence in our lives, we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need to be refreshed in the Holy Spirit. Jesus called the Holy Spirit the Comforter. And the disciples, they were given great boldness and strength when they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so, I don't know about you, but this time has made me very thirsty and dry for the Holy Spirit. And in your community groups or running partners or when you're out for a walk with with a Christian friend, be praying for more of the Holy Spirit. Even after the service, if you just realize, man, I just need some more of the Holy Spirit, Love to, to pray for you. Come and find me up at the front here. Be glad to pray for you for that. We must hold fast our confession of this truth 
that is against all the other false views that when we feel the, the, the most hurt or the most pain, that God is distant. Imagine if today we took this truth of the heartbeat of Jesus for us in our deepest and darkest moments and confidently drew near to him and received his mercy and grace, allowing Jesus to meet with us heart to heart in our most testing and trying times. Imagine the strength that we had received to walk in no matter what we face. And when people see Jesus in the midst, in the, it, it, when people see Jesus in us in the midst of our most trying times, and they say, how can you be so strong? How can you be so calm? You can say to them, let me tell you about my friend Jesus. Wouldn't that be amazing in this time of people's uncertainty and people's lack of strength? So let me pray for us. Just as a way for us to respond this morning, we can take a moment and come to him. Just as we're coming into a time of just responding in communion, we're meeting Jesus and thanking him for what he did at the cross. But not only that, we're acknowledging that not only did you go to the cross and thank you that you died for my sins and thank you that I'm going to heaven, but to realize to say, because you endured that great pain, that great uh, persecution, that great um, assault against you physically, you can sympathize with my pain and my hurt. Whatever situation's been playing around in your mind this morning that you know you're going through, let us with confidence draw near to him. And just a simple way for us to pray this morning, it talks about hold on to our confession. And I just want to encourage us, just in our own conviction of heart, just in the quietness of your breath, I want you to say in your heart, I am not alone. Just you can close your eyes. It's not about a collective, let's all say it, one, two, three. But this is where we're the truth of what we heard today, to say, I am not alone. Just want to encourage you, just even the shortest of breath, just say that rather than just in your head. Confess with your mouth, I am not alone. Jesus, you are near. And you know exactly what I'm going through and more. Jesus, I am not alone. And Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you. Lord, we're astonished at understanding that even in our darkest moments, you're not just telling us to work, to work harder, to try harder, to just believe more. That you're actually saying, I'm right here, right in the midst of your darkest moment. I'm here right now. And I can totally relate to where you are right now because I endured the same thing. But I have the power and the strength and the love to be able to strengthen you and to help you through this moment right now. Father, I pray that we would have a revelation of that truth right now. Lord, those, those feelings that when things are going difficult, God, where are you? I pray, Lord, that the truth of this passage would go deep into our hearts and we'd go, you're right here. I am not alone. You know exactly what I'm going through. And you will give me mercy and help in time of need. And so, Father, as we just take communion now together, as we respond in this song, I pray, God, 
that you would just meet us in our heart, in our deepest need right now, in Jesus' name.